I don't know why you would need anything else. <laughs> this has been a blessing already. And uh, I want you to know at this time of the uh, morning on Sunday morning, I'm at the OK Motel. <clears throat> so they're praying for us right now, all four of them. And uh, we're grateful to be a part of that family, too, where God <clears throat> provides and brings people who don't have a clue about Jesus. And I want to tell you one more thing. <clears throat> Got a little nervous about coming this morning because it's been a while since I've been here. And I thought, well, I don't really know you like I want to. Uh, <clears throat> been part of this community and the development from the beginning. It's Howard and Bob and Tilly. What? <laughs> Just wanted to throw that in. <laughs> but it's been a while. So I did something. I called Bob. Okay? I knew I needed to talk to him anyway. Check in last night. We got through, we talked and celebrated Carrie's progress and it was good. Now I said, now well, you got me into something. I need to talk to you about this. <clears throat> Tell me about your church. Wow. <laughs> I was on the phone at least 20 minutes listening how perfect you are. <laughs> every name, every person, and how much he is loved by you and how much he loves you, he and Carrie, together. And you know that. There's nothing I'm telling you that you don't know and you haven't experienced but I know you by name. And finally, I had to say, Bob, I've got to go. <laughs> I've got to go prepare something. <laughs> but we had a good time together. So let's just pause for a moment and pray for them. And uh, uh, Sue, why don't you pray right now for Bob and Carrie? Uh, if you looked at Ephesians, to me, it was appropriate for this day for you. As Paul writes this letter to the Christians in Ephesus. From Paul, chapter 1, you got your Bibles, and this is a New Century uh, translation. He's setting the stage for the believers. And I want you to listen carefully to the word that comes straight from the power of the Holy Spirit. From Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, I am an apostle because that's what God wanted. I want to hang out there for just a minute. Paul was not ashamed of the gospel. He was not ashamed of who he was. And so when people said to him, why do you do what you do? He said, because this is what God wants me to do. You know how many times I've been asked, why in the world are you hanging out at the mission seven days a week, 24 hours a day for 32 years? And my response is, it's exactly what God wants us to do. And why would you do anything else? It'd be a little scary out there without him, right? So you want to do exactly what he wants you to do. So that was Paul's response. And it was, the letter is to God's holy people in Ephesus, believers in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says, in Christ, God has given us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly world. That is, in Christ, he chose us before his holy people, to be his holy people, the people without blame before him because of his love. So we talked about love already, God's love for us. And he goes on to talk about kind of he set the stage 
for the plan, the plan that uh, it's his goal to carry out his plan. If you look in verse 10, his goal to carry out his plan when the right time came, when with it, all things in heaven and on earth would be joined together in Christ is ahead. Folks, the plan of salvation. He's laying out for us, all of us, and just reminding the believers, God's plan, God's way works. And the salvation died on that cross for us. It's a personal story, thinking about the cross and the plan. You know, I had a little reputation in the city before you were born. Um, I lived in the community right downtown, been to First Baptist Church. They didn't necessarily like that I went to First Baptist Church because I kind of broke out a few windows and always played football in the front yard. Back then, you couldn't even do anything on Sundays. I mean, it was a blue law or something. And so I would always enjoy doing things I shouldn't do. And so I'd go into the church sanctuary in the front door. I'd make sure everybody saw me, and I'd go right out the back. And so I, I, I did that for a long, long time. And, uh, but one day, uh, I went through the side door, and I glanced up at the choir, and behind the choir was a cross that had always been there. And the choir had always been there. And I'd always come through that side door. But all of a sudden, it was, he died for me. Looking at that cross as a 15-year-old kid, he died for me. And people, I sat down on that front pew and didn't budge. I listened for the first time to a message I didn't understand. But the cross makes that kind of difference because he died for me. And so Paul was trying to lay that out for the people. Understand the plan of salvation. It was the cross that makes a difference. It was the cross that changed the lives of all of us who are followers of his. You don't play games with God. We don't pretend that we are and we're not. Because God knows our hearts. He knows who we are. He knows everything about us. There's nothing I'm telling you you don't know that you haven't already heard. But I want us to get to the critical part of our salvation. And this morning, I was speaking to a young man, community service, <clears throat> 6 o'clock this morning. He comes in. He's like this, tattoos all over him. He's coming to, to help. And I was grateful for the help. And I said to him, he said something about being... Um, you know, four o'clock this morning. I said, what do you do? Like I didn't, I could have guessed. I said, what do you do? He said, I manage a bar. I said, where? Downtown Fort Worth. Okay, tell me about that. He said, well, it's tough. I said, do you ever have to call the police? Yeah, yeah, all the time, but they know me. I said, well, do you drink? Oh, goodness, no. I used to. But I see what it does to people, and I'm not going to do that. But you create the circumstance, yes. I said, are you a follower of Christ? Mm, well, I was in the Army, and I saw lots of bad stuff. I said, what does that have to do with what I just asked you? <laughs> he said, well, I I don't know if anybody's ever invited me to know Jesus. I, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, he does now. 
He didn't make a decision, but he's, he's, he listened. He listened. So the plan of salvation, the power of God, works. So then Paul had a prayer. He had two prayers for the Christians in Ephesus. In verse 15, he said, This is why, since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks to God for you. And that's how we feel about you. Since your reputation is out there a little bit, but I will have to tell you something. I got lost coming this morning. Clark wasn't with me, so I got lost. Trying to find you. You know how many people I stopped and asked, and nobody knew about your church. That's in your community. I'm just going to throw that out. If you don't ever invite me back, it's okay. I'm just going to throw that out. So, I always remember you in my prayers, asking the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, to give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you will know him better. Folks, a spirit of wisdom and revelation, not to, not to know the gathering name, but to know him better. I tell people all the time when they talk about Mission Arlington, Mission Arlington, there's no power in the name of Mission Arlington. There's power in the name of Jesus. And so Paul is praying for the Christians in Ephesus because they need to grow in him. So he's praying that there can be wisdom, God's wisdom. A lot of folks have wisdom, secular, that's fine, we all need it. But God's wisdom in Revelation revealing Christ to all people. I get kind of amused at our holy huddles. And then I'd like to ask this question. Sometimes you don't have to respond. But how many of us invited an unsaved, unchurched person today to come to church? How many of us went out on the streets out here and said, well, come to my church with me? Most of the time, hands can't go up. Because we're in a holy huddle. Folks, there's no place in the Bible that says come to church. But there's many, many places that says go, take the gospel to the people. Go and make disciples. Go baptize. So he said, I pray, verse 18, I pray also that you will have greater understanding in your heart so that you will know the hope in which he has called us, that you know how rich and glorious are the blessings God has promised his holy people. And so the richness of that for a greater understanding. In fact, that's what I became. I, I understood that, that, that he died for me. I understood that. And I began kind of being better. People wondered what happened. But Christ changed my life. So how rich and glorious those words are just should ring in your ears and ring in your heart. Because if you're in love with him, you can't help but be excited. You can't help but tell about him. I couldn't let that man pass by today. I knew he was a bartender. I knew he, what he did. But I wanted to know that he could have an invitation to know Jesus. I didn't invite him here. I could have. And you will know that God's power is very great for us who believe that power is the same as a great strength God used to raise Jesus from death. He has given to his people his power, the same power that he used 
when you raise Christ from the dead. There was another prayer. And so in 14, chapter 3, he says, I bow in prayer before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth gets his true name. And I ask the Father in his great glory to give you the power to be strong inwardly through his spirit. And so that's studying the Bible, reading his word. And then when you have your little Bible study groups and you know, get unsaved people in there. Go out here to those cyclists that I almost ran over this morning. <laughs> Before I hit them, you need to get them in here, okay? <laughs> or, or, or into one of your homes anyway. So, right? And so and he'll give us that same power. And I pray that Christ will live in your hearts by faith and that your life will be strong in love and built on love. And so your life be strong in love, God's love. And I pray that you and all God's holy people will have the power to understand the greatness of Christ's love. And Christ loved us so much. And with God's power working in us, we can do so much more. I want to tell you a quick story. I've got two stories. I had a good friend as I was, we were growing up and trying to raise our kids. It was a lady at First Baptist Church that did everything. I loved seeing you stand up and and all the work that you do. Well, she was one of those folks. She was head of the women's group, and she was head of the men's group, and she took care of the dinners. And, and, and you know, occasionally she'd be in the nursery. She was always at the church. Her husband was a veterinarian in town, very well-known, wonderful people. And she kind of took us in. And, you know, we went to Korea. We came back from Korea. She was there at the airport to meet us. She got cancer. And back in those days, it didn't have the help that they had today. And so she ended up in the hospital and things got really tough. And she asked for me to come one day. And so she said, uh, Tilly, um, she's really concerned. She said, I've never told anybody about Jesus. I said, oh, Sharon, you told everybody about Jesus. No, you went overseas. You told people about Jesus. I have never told anybody about Jesus. I've come to church. I've been faithful in church. I've cooked the dinners. I've done everything I needed to do. I've raised a good family. I've never told anybody about Jesus. Help me. And the cancer was involving her throat. And soon she lost her voice. And but what she got across to me was get me a whiteboard. Get me a chalk. Get me some something to write with. And every person who came into that hospital room, doctors, people to clean the floors. She wrote on the board, John 3.16. And, and she tried to explain it in her own way without a voice. And outside people would say, I don't know if we want to go in there or not. Others would say, if you want to know Jesus, go into that room. Because that sense of God's love that swells up in us people only fuels the fire. I want to tell you about the fellow. You may have heard this story, but you can hear it again. In a little village, there was a man that lived and was known as the richest man in town. And it was true. He was the richest man in town. And he had a gardener that took care of his yard and everything, and the gardener was a believer. And that young gardener, though, the man tried to share Christ with the richest men in town. Every, so, every chance he got, 
every time the richest man in town came out and gave him a glass of water, he'd tell him God loves you. He tried, he tried. Several years, they worked together. It's one day the, the gardener had a dream that at midnight that night, the richest man in town was going to die. Well, he, the gardener got so upset. And so he went to the richest man in town, and he knocked on his door, and he went in, he said, God, talk to you. Because I had this dream, and this dream is tonight at midnight, the richest man in town is going to die. Well, there's nothing wrong with me, richest man in town said. I'm healthy. But of course, as the day went on, it bothered the richest man in town. So he called his doctor. Can you come spend a little time in the evening? And we checked. Everything was good. He checked. But the richest man in town's doctor left about 10 o'clock because there wasn't anything wrong. So it got to be midnight. You could hear the village bells chiming. There was a knock at the door. And the gardener's daughter said, Sir, I need you to know my daddy died tonight. The richest man in town. 